God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and through our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, the text that engages us this morning is the Old Testament lesson from Zechariah chapter 3. You've got that, uh, or maybe we can put it up on the screen. Uh, we'll walk through that a little bit. Um, I grew up uh, when I was very small in, uh, in Oregon, uh, Willamette Valley. A little more rain there than here. <laughs> Uh, and as a kid, uh, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, my favorite thing to do was to go outside and stomp in mud puddles. Uh, it's just got tons of pictures of me stomping in mud puddles everywhere. That was just the, the best thing I could do. And I love to get muddy, love to get dirty, just uh, anything we could do. We lived up, up on a hill, uh, trees all around. We're out in the countryside, and uh, getting muddy was the greatest thing ever. Until I tried to go back inside because uh, I was hungry or whatever, because I'd come to the door and be ready to run inside, and my mom would be like, hang on, you're not going anywhere, because uh, I was just a mess, right? And literally it was like, you're not coming inside until all those filthy clothes are off of you that you get cleaned up. You're not going to come inside my house and dirty everything up. Uh, that literally, because I was so filthy, I was denied access to my house, <laughs> Right? Uh, which is crazy. You think about that, and you know, okay. But uh, thinking about that, if we go all the way back into the garden with, uh, with Adam and Eve, something similar takes place. That, that Adam and Eve, uh, because of their rebellion, uh, that literally they're soiled. Uh, their sin makes them filthy. Um, when, they, when they sin, when they rebel against God, do you remember what they do? They actually hide, right? They, they, they want to, to, their filth, their, their sin to, to be hidden. I always picture this when I, we have four boys, and when they were little, thankfully we're, we're way past diaper stage now. Uh, you know when, when you're trying to transition children from diapers, and then uh, you're not going to have them, and then all of a sudden they have an accident, but they don't want you to know. <laughs> so all of a sudden you're like, hey, what happened to my kid? Where is he at? And they're behind a chair somewhere or hidden in a closet because they're hiding. Uh, they know that they're filthy and, and there's shame there and they're covering that up. They're covering that up. And, and we can look at that and look at our children maybe and think of that, but we too, we're, we're pretty good at trying to cover up our filth. Uh, the shame that comes with that. Um, I always think about, man, imagine if everything that went through my head was in a digital printout right here that everyone could see. Right? My wife, she's, she's classic. Her and her sisters, they always talk about, like, anytime they're in a public place, and they love to people watch. But they always do this, you know, you know, to each other when they're sitting next to each other, like, check that out. Check that out, you know, when people are walking by, right? And you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Right? You go to the airport, right? And you just kind of sit, you got a two-hour layover, and you're people watching. And maybe there's good things, oh, wow, yeah, that's great, look at that family, and that's neat. But other times, you're, there's things coming through your mind that maybe aren't the best things. And, and imagine uh, people understanding that, seeing that, knowing what that is. Right? Right? Uh, the filth that's in our hearts comes out in different ways. Imagine if everyone here knew what you looked at on your phone all the time. Right? Uh, imagine if everyone here 
uh, knew the conversations that you had uh, with certain people, maybe gossip or anger or frustration? Um, what if everybody here knew those thoughts that are running through your minds and mine as well? So today we're reminded of the painful truth that we're dirty. Uh, we're dirty because of sin. Uh, not only on the outside, but on the inside. Uh, and our hearts are stained, right? Our, our, our hearts are stained because of that, because of sin. Uh, they're filthy because of our sinful thoughts, our hurtful words, the shameful deeds that we have, our fearful unbelief. Uh, and it's a good thing that people can't see our inside, <laughs> right? Uh, maybe they'd be horrified. And they'd be like my mom. You can't come in. You, you can't be part of this. I'm going to deny you access. Um, other people can't see our filthy inside, but we know who can, right? We know who, whose eyes see all. Uh, and uh, sometimes we love that. The Lord sees all. He's watching over me. Praise God. But at the same time, when we're trying to hide things, that can scare us, the fact that the Lord sees all. He sees our inside. He sees our filth. He sees it even clearer than we do. Who better to see uncleanness, unholiness, than the one who is holy, 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 right? He's the light that shines into our dark places and exposes those things. And because of our filth, because of our unholiness, we're denied access. We're denied access to perfect health. <laughs> we're denied access to peaceful homes. We're denied access to, to life as it was meant to be. That all of a sudden there's conflict rather than shalom. We're denied access to our God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, and we're sent away uh, dirty, defiled. Right? We're separated from Him. Uh, and we know this has been the story of God's people throughout history. Uh, and in the book of Zechariah, it's telling the story of God's people in the Old Testament who were sinful, dirty, defiled, unholy lives in thought, word, and deed. Uh, so God had sent them away from his presence. He sent them into exile in this place called Babylon, among other people who were defiled. Right? Uh, and there they are. But God promises in his grace that, that I will not abandon you. I will bring you back. And so after the temple's been destroyed, they're in exile, God sees their filth, and he says, nope, I'm not going to deny you access any longer. I am bringing you back to the land I promised you. And in his love, his love is so great that he brings them back. And Zechariah was a prophet. He, he, he was a speaker of the word to God's people, and he prophesied in the first generation of God's people coming back from exile from Babylon. So they're back in Jerusalem. This is the context of, of Zechariah and what's going on. And he spurred on the people to rebuild the temple, right? Uh, the place of gathering, the place where, where God's presence was there for his people. Uh, to seek God, to seek his presence, uh, to leave their unholiness behind. And in the book of Zechariah, the, the prophet has a series of visions, right? Anytime you read visions in the Old Testament, you're like, well, what is going on here, <laughs> right? Three eyes and plates and stones. What is all this stuff, right? Uh, and we can get lost in all of that. Uh, but in these series of visions, uh, Zechariah gives a picture of the people's filth, their unholiness, but also a picture of God's grace and his mercy 
for them. So in the fourth night vision that he has, and that's our text that we have uh, for today, Zechariah sees a court scene. Right? So imagine in your whatever TV show or whatever that you got, right? imagine a court scene. Uh, the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord, is seated as the judge. Uh, and, and there's a prosecutor. That's Satan, right? Uh, and he's there to bring charges against the high priest, whose name is Joshua. So Satan's bringing charges against the high priest Joshua in front of the messenger of the Lord going, this guy, he deserves problems. He's guilty. He's shameful. Because Joshua is standing in filthy garments. He's standing in filthy garments before the judge. Now, the temple, if you remember, the temple in the Old Testament had three different parts. There was the outer court, the inner court, and, and then the very inner part was the holy of holies, right? The holy, 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 holy place, right? And the holy of holies, it's completely surrounded by this thick veil. And remember, the Ark of the Covenant was inside, and on top of the Ark of the Covenant inside was the Ten Commandments, the, the pact, and then on top was this, this covering, this lid, it was called the mercy seat. Uh, that's what was laid on top of that. Uh, and there above the mercy seat would, would appear the glory of God, God's presence itself right there uh, over the mercy seat. And Leviticus 16, if we go back in the Old Testament, Leviticus 16, that's talking about the Day of Atonement, right? Uh, it, God says that if you come near the mercy seat, put a lot of incense and smoke up in the air because I'm going to appear in the cloud over the mercy seat and I don't want you to look directly upon me because you will die. Because I'm holy and you're not, right? So pretty serious stuff that's going on. God is holy, pure, clean, any unholiness, any uncleanness, and his presence was annihilated, was destroyed. And for that reason, only one person on one day of the year, that day of atonement, was allowed to go into the holy of holies, into that space. And it was the high priest of Israel. He was the one, the only one that could do that. Remember, he had even the, the 12 stones on his breastplate that was representing the people, right, before God, bringing them in. So Zechariah has a vision from inside the Holy of Holies, and he sees Joshua, the high priest, standing before the Lord on the Day of Atonement. That's the setting. Now, Ray Dillard, he's an Old Testament scholar, he talks about the enormous amount of preparation that took place on, uh, on the Day of Atonement and up to that with the high priest. So bear with me here. We're going to go Bible nerd for a little while, right? Uh, but it's important stuff of understanding this. So a week beforehand, before the Day of Atonement, the high priest was put into seclusion. He was separated away from everybody else. Why? So he wouldn't accidentally touch or eat anything unclean, right? This whole idea of cleanliness, of holiness. Now, clean food was brought to him, he, and he'd wash his body, and he'd prepare his heart, right? This is going on a week ahead of time. The night before the Day of Atonement, he didn't go to bed, but he stayed up all night praying and reading God's word to purify his soul. On the Day of Atonement, he bathed head to toe, and dressed in pure white unstained linen. Right? That's what the priest wore. So this pure white unstained linen, he's clean as can be. Then he went into the Holy of Holies, and he offered an animal sacrifice to God. Uh, he did this three different times. Bathing head to toe, dressed again in pure unstained white linen, 
offering an animal sacrifice to God. So, I mean, some serious ritual going on here. Uh, first, he does this to pay for the penalty for his own sins, the first sacrifice. Then to pay the penalty of the other priest's sins. And then the third set time of the sacrifice, to pay the penalty of the people's sins. Pretty cool. Now, here's the amazing thing. <laughs> All this was done in, in public, right? So the people of Israel, they're actually watching you know, think about like going to a Niner game or something, right? Uh, they're on the field and everybody's like, hey, check this out. And you're, everybody's watching, you know, you got the TV guys and everything. I mean, literally for the people of Israel, that's what it's like. This is like Super Bowl action going on here. Day of Atonement. There's no bigger day than this. So everybody is there watching this. Uh, the temple's crowded. Everyone's watching. And there was this thin screen, kind of a translucent screen, that the priest bathed behind that. But the people were there present, and they were watching on. They could see him, in a sense, through that screen, bathe and dress and go in and then come back out. He was their representative before God, right? And they were there, in a sense, cheering him on. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> You're our guy, right? You're our guy. Uh, and they were very concerned to make sure that everything was done properly and with purity because he's representing them. He represented them before God. And when the high priest went before God, there wasn't a speck on him, right? Clean as can be. The complete opposite of me stomping around in mud puddles, right? Uh, he was as pure as pure can be. So all that background, uh, only if you understand that do you realize why these lines and in, in this prophecy in Zechariah uh, were so shocking. Because Zechariah sees in this vision Joshua the high priest standing before God in the Holy of Holies, right, on the Day of Atonement, and Joshua's garments, they weren't pure. They weren't unstained. In this vision, they were covered in excrement. They were covered in crap. I mean, as filthy as you could get. He's absolutely defiled in front of the holy God. And Zechariah is having his vision, and he's like, what is going on here, right? He cannot even believe what he's seen. How could that have happened? Who let that guy in dressed like that? Where was the whole crowd, the whole people? They've been watching. What is going on? There's no way the Israelites, the people of God, would have allowed the high priest to appear before God like that. See, God was giving Zechariah a prophetic vision so that he could see us the way that God sees us. In spite of all our efforts to be pure and good, and moral, and to cleanse ourselves, to scrub away the shame, God sees our hearts, and our hearts are full of filth because of our sin. And all our morality, all our good works, they don't really get to the heart. Zechariah realized that no matter what we do, we're unfit for the presence of God. The Holy One can't put up with our unholiness. Right? We're denied access. Zechariah is seeing this, and just as he's about ready to despair over this, 
he hears these words in a vision. Remove the filthy garments from him. Remove those garments. Then God said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will clothe you with pure vestments, with clean garments. Listen, I will bring my servant the branch, and I will remove the iniquity, the uncleanliness, the sin of this land in a single day. This is what he hears. Now, Zechariah probably couldn't believe his ears. He must have thought, whoa, wait a second. (laughs) We've been doing for years these sacrifices, obeying the cleanliness laws. We can never get the sin off of ourselves. And now God says that he's going uh, to remove that sin in one day. How's that going to happen? That's impossible. One day, how can that be? What's going to happen to remove that? And see, what's impossible for us is possible for God. It's possible because centuries later, there was another Joshua. There was another Joshua who showed up. Yeshua. Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, they're all the same name. Another Joshua shows up and he staged his own day of atonement. See, one week beforehand, Jesus began to prepare. And the night before, he didn't go to sleep. But what happened to Jesus was exactly the reverse of what happened to Joshua the high priest in the vision. Because instead of cheering him on, nearly everyone he loved betrayed him or abandoned him or denied him. And when he stood before God, instead of receiving words of encouragement, the Father denied access. He abandoned him. He forsook him. He turned his face away from that filth. Instead of being clothed in rich garments of pure, unstained, white linen, he was stripped of the only garment that he had. He was beaten and he was killed naked. And he was bathed, too, baptized, maybe, so to speak, but bathed in spit of those that mocked him. Why? Because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God clothes Jesus in our filth. He took our penalty. He took our punishment so that we, like Joshua the high priest, can get pure, unstained linen, perfectly clean, without stain or blemish, a robe of righteousness. Hebrew 13 says Jesus was crucified outside the gate where the bodies were burned, the garbage heap a place of absolute filthiness and uncleanliness, so that you might be made clean. He took on your unholiness so that he might clothe you in that robe of holiness. And now Jesus today looks at you. And what does he see? What does he say? Yes, you're dirty. 
but I'm your holiness. I'm your cleanliness. Baptized into me, washed in me, I have made you clean. And access to me is no longer denied. Come, come share in my life, life eternal, life everlasting, life as it's meant to be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.